morning, Antioch Brighton. This is Mark. I'm the pastor. Delighted to get a chance to share God's Word with you this morning. We're going to be entering into a series that's based out of the books of First and Second Samuel. We try to focus uh, different seasons on specific sections of Scripture, and this is a season where we try to go back into the Old Testament. And we're going to be talking about how three kings give us a picture into God's character. And I believe it's going to tie in well to what John Lux was teaching on the Father Heart of God. That is, uh, that foundation of unconditional love that we see in the messages that John was sharing with us is a backdrop for all of Scripture. And so, when we step into some of these peculiar stories in First and Second Samuel, we're still learning about God's character. And you have to hold that deep root of God's love in tension with some of these different stories. So the background that we have here, up to this point in the Bible, we've been, been through the Pentateuch. If we're thinking about well, where does this fit in the overall arc of Scripture, uh, Israel has been rescued from slavery, the whole story of Moses coming out of Egypt with the nation. They are in the desert, they've made a covenant with God, and God has led them uh, with Joshua into the promised land. And now they're supposed to be faithful to God and obey his commands. When we get into the book of Judges, we see that Israel fails miserably. Again and again, we uh, see this, this uh, weakness, this brokenness in the leadership. And I, I think it's amazing that the Bible, I believe, among all scriptures, among all sacred religions or different uh, worldviews, it uniquely shows the weakness and the failures of their leaders, of the key characters in the story. And God is, has a purpose in all of this. So as you dig down into this roller coaster of up and down that is so, so much of the nation of Israel and in, in these books, you need to know that God has a purpose in that. So in Judges, we just see moral chaos, a regular cycle of repentance, restoration, then decline and failure, and then repentance, the word of the Lord coming in. So all of what does this do? This shows that Israel has a need for leadership. And God wants that to be in himself. But uh, they keep going back to wanting a man. At the very end of Judges, there's two different passages, actually in the 17th chapter and in the 21st chapter that says the same thing. In those days, there was no king in Israel. Everyone did what was right in his own eyes. So, the answer to bad leadership was not what Israel did at that time. The answer to bad leadership is not anarchy. Anarchy is what comes from wounded, unresolved bitterness with authority. And that's where the nation is at this point in time. Now we start the book of Samuel. And it is the next step 
and God providing an answer for giving us a picture for today, seeing that God is trying to meet this need to draw us to himself, to give us the right kind of leadership. A basic overview of First and Second Samuel um, and the title that we've given this is um, a, a tale of three kings or uh, stories from the life of three kings. It's the rise and fall of Saul, David, and Absalom. We see in Saul that he looks good on the outside, but he doesn't have proven character. He doesn't really follow through in obedience to God. He's a head taller. He's handsome. He comes from a wealthy family. People follow him, and he's anointed by the prophet. But ultimately, he doesn't have the simple patience to obey God's command as given through his mentor, God's voice, through Samuel. And he actually becomes demon-possessed. Then we have David, who learns patience from an impatient leader. We see uh, the scripture that's beautiful in, in the call of David, 1 Samuel 16, 7. The Lord does not look at the things man looks at. Man looks at the outward appearance, but the Lord looks at the heart. See, was, uh, God was turning from <laughs> Saul, and Samuel's heart is broken over the disobedience in Saul, and he calls him to look for someone who, who is going after God's own heart. And he finds the youngest son in this family. And uh, David starts this cycle of life where he's first loved by his leader and then he's hated by Saul. And his story falls into the pattern, it's interesting, of bad leader, good leader, bad leader, good leader, that we see uh, in this whole Old Testament history. It seems that the best leaders were not those that had a perfect leader, but the best kings often were those who learn from an imperfect example. They learn from negative experience, and that's David's story. Then we have Absalom, who's David's son. And Absalom is raised up as a judgment against the moral failure of his father David. But he does it in arrogance. He does it in a, a way that's not exemplary. There's stories that we have here that we can learn from, and it's, it's mostly David's failure that we see revealed in the life of Absalom. Now, this series is not about submission to people. We're uh, good news, though you can breathe a sigh of relief. It's not a, a big story on how to beat down rebellion or to get everybody to do the right thing. It's not about submission to humans. I'm not talking about a lot of dynamics of church government here but rather about how God shapes our lives through men and women who are weak and how we can trust him in the middle of all of that. Now for me, I am an old guy now. I uh, have been in ministry for all, uh, around 40 years. For the first 20 years, I was an associate pastor. I stayed in college ministry. And I worked under six different, I've worked in my life under six different pastors. Uh, 
And every one of the leaders that I worked with, um, I, I, you know, I, good, various levels of quality of relationship with each one of them. But they all had weaknesses that drove me crazy. But also, each one of them had gifts that God used. In fact, the one that I worked with that had the greatest moral failures is the one who was the best teacher and actually walked in the power of the spiritual gifts, the supernatural gifts, more than anyone else. So this irony and tension of the weaknesses of gifted people that God uses in spite of themselves is one of the greatest struggles of our lives. How do we make sense of this? How is this possible? Why does God allow this? Why didn't he change it? Why isn't this person being judged and taken away? So, as we look at our own lives, you know, we can look at past and present presidents and then argue with each other about what's good and what's bad and why. You can look at past and present pastors and spiritual leaders in your life and argue about what's good and what's bad and why. You can look at your parents. Find an authority and you can critique them, tear that down and, and show both extremes of, of blessings and pain. The point is this. God uses authority to open our cans. God uses imperfect people to help us see him more accurately. And we want to take these stories out of 1 and 2 Samuel to learn more about God's character and how we can trust him. This book of 1 Samuel actually starts out with a woman named Hannah. And she sets the vision through a prophetic song. She's a mother of Samuel, who is the prophet of God, who brings the monarchy to Israel. He's the the son she commits to God after not being after being childless and she's able to receive this son and she's the contrast of all of these great kings <laughs> out of her deep awareness of need she cries out to God and this is the first step where God always meets us it's that low place we think oh I don't want to be there that's the bottom, but actually, it's the core of how we should be living our lives, out of a, a brokenness and humility and awareness of our need for God. In her song, we see the core message of God's character in, the, in this book, which is in three points I'm going to make. I'm going to read some of this song out to you and then make a point. 1 Samuel chapter 2, verse 3, she's singing out. Stop acting so proud and haughty. Don't speak with such arrogance, for the Lord is a God who knows what you have done. He will judge your actions. The bow of the mighty is now broken, and those who stumbled are now strong. Those who were well-fed are now starving, and those who are starving are now full. God opposes the proud but gives grace to the humble, okay? 
That last part is not out of the story, but that's what she's saying. The starving were well fed, but those who are starving are now full. She's speaking of God's character and she says, God opposes the proud but gives grace to the humble. Then, in the eighth verse, I'll go on to read, he lifts the poor from the dust and the needy from the garbage dump. He sets them among princes, placing them in seats of honor. For all the earth is the Lord's, and he has set the world in order. He will protect his faithful ones, but the wicked will disappear in darkness. No one will succeed by strength alone. God has a tenderness, a care for the weak, for the poor, for the low. And despite human evil, God is at work. This is one of the hardest things for us to grasp. It's like, why is this injustice happening? And in this book, we see God at work in the midst of human evil. And then the third point. In the 10th verse, those who fight against the Lord will be shattered. He thunders against them from heaven. The Lord judges throughout the earth. He gives power to his king. He increases the strength of his anointed one. Not to this point, there was no king. What is she talking about? This is a prophetic word. God will raise up a, a messianic king, Jesus Christ. So this woman is seeing into eternity. So here we have these, these points. This is the overarching theme of the story. God opposes the proud, but gives grace to the humble. We see humility gave a tremendous arc of authority to the life of David. Arrogance is what brought each one of them down, turning away and trusting in themselves and their own strength. Then, we see in the midst of this all of these people that are affected by their leadership negatively. Despite human evil, God is at work. And then, finally, God will raise up a messianic king. His, this, all, this whole story, Genesis to Revelation, is giving us a picture that God himself is our king. And he is not distant, but he has suffered for us and walks with us if we will humble ourselves. Now we all have a place in this story. <laughs> Good news, bad news. We're, we're affected by authority in our lives. And we're not spending a time, this is not a leadership series necessarily, although we're talking about these authorities, but this is a story about humility and God's character. So I want you to take some time to read these books of First and Second Samuel, um, gosh, around 50 chapters, and it's a great story. These are amazing. These are core stories out of Sunday school that I grew up in, and, and core stories that are supposed to stick in our mind and imagination. They're dramatic stories. Some of them are a bit intense, but God wants to reveal his character. So let's join in this process and, and, and begin to read this yourself. We're not going to get into the detail of each. We're not going verse by verse. We're just picking out over the next couple of months some high points of major significant stories. 
And I want to close by asking you, what fears does this teaching bring up in you? You know, as we get into these things, there may be something that I said, even in this teaching today, that kind of triggered you, or, you, or as you began to be aware of this, you're like, some wall comes up inside of you. What is that? What is the wall? What is the resistance? What is the thing that causes you fear? There's something there that God wants to touch in his unconditional love and his care for you. So I pray that this would not just be an information experience, but God himself would talk to you and pull away all of these bad examples that you have, that we all have, because we're human, and give you a greater clarity of who he is. Blessings. Mm-hmm.